Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Conversations with filmmakers where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you'll learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV. We will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera, and I'll provide you with guests and information you're going to want to have, whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. And so now let's move behind the scenes here on Movie Beat. My guest today is Curtis Smith. He's the first assistant director, and as a first assistant director, Curtis is responsible for overseeing the majority of pre-production and production phases of a film. While scheduling the entire photography of the film, Curtis works very closely with directors scheduling the entire photography of the film, uh, and while assuring their creative vision is adhered to. He also works with producers to ensure the film has and gets what it needs to be a quality project as well as finish on budget and on time. We're going to be talking to Curtis in just a few moments, but I first want to thank all of my listeners and readers for tuning in, for those joining us in the chat room, and for spreading the word about Movie Beat to your friends and industry connections. Movie Beat is really designed to be a resource for you. That's why I connect you up with professionals who are making it happen. We pull back the veil to expose the, the people behind the curtain, just like in The Wizard of Oz, to go into the behind-the-scenes secrets, nuts, and bolts of what it takes to get a quality project made on time and on budget uh, to solve problems if they should arise. Uh, the reason I have people like Curtis and other experts in the area is to share with you so that when it comes to making your projects, you can do so smartly and uh, efficiently. You can subscribe to the official Movie Beat website by clicking on the RSS feed right there at the welcome page. The official website address is rexsikes.com. That's my name, rexsikes.com. Keep in mind, if you're listening to this live, you can make us a friend, you can make us a fan, or you can fan us, you can friend us, you can make us a favorite, you can leave comments, and, uh, and you can share the website right there with others. But uh, most importantly... Uh, when you go to RexSykes.com, you go to the interviews blog, ignore any dates of any of the blogs in the interview section. Those are creation dates. It has nothing to do with the airing of the interview. The actual airing of the interview date is inside the, the article, the blog article, that has the name of the guest whose interview you wish to hear. So let me track this for you very briefly. It's really simple. And uh, and people who've listened to Movie Beat for some time know exactly how to do this without any problem. You go to RexSykes.com, you go to the Interviews blog page, you go there, there's a faceplate right there at the bottom of the faceplate. You scroll down to it, it says, Go to Archives. You go into the archives and you find the name of the guest you want to listen to, you click on that, and there's a biography page there that you should read. For example, there's Curtis's page uh, there in the Interviews blog. Go ahead and read about Curtis. And inside his biography will say, Upcoming and it'll give the date and time of the interview, and to say to listen live, click this bold link, and when you click that, it'll take you right to the live site. If it just says to listen, it means that it's an archive show. It's already happened, and, uh, and you might find one or more shows there uh, in each guest biography page. 
Uh, but also know that uh, these shows are available as a podcast through the iTunes Store, and you can subscribe to them absolutely free. There's over 140 hours of of programs. That means that there's over almost six days. If you were to start on a, a Monday, that means that sometime on Saturday you would be finishing up listening if you were to listen constantly. Uh, this has been described as a master class of filmmaking, and uh, certainly you want to take advantage of it uh, by listening to all of the interviews, the fine interviews that, that we have and the great guests that I have. But please do spread the word by posting this on your Facebook wall, your MySpace page, um, by tweeting it um, when my guests are coming up, and by retweeting it later. My uh, Twitter address is Rex Sykes Movie BT. That's Rex Sykes Movie BT. And, uh, and I sure appreciate it. I know my guests do too when you share uh, the news about uh, each guest and uh, what's happening at RexSykes.com. All right, well, enough about all of that. I want to bring Curtis on. We spoke with Curtis before, and if you haven't heard that interview, I know you're going to want to go back and listen to it. It's right there at his biography page, or it's there on, um, on uh, iTunes. And, uh, but he's here today, and we're going to continue kind of like where we left off. Hi, Curtis, how you doing? Hey, good morning, Rex. I'm doing good. Good. Well, it's great to talk to you again and to have you on the show. Uh, you were uh, uh, literally uh, a great wealth of uh, and a great source of information the last time you were on, and I, and I so enjoyed it, and I know the listeners did as well. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to today. And where we left off the last time was pretty much bringing actors onto the set. But um, as you and I kind of discussed what I'd like to do is I'd like to go back to the beginning of the day you know the let's say you're shooting on a location somewhere uh, on a practical set and uh, you know the trucks have to get there and the craft services have to set up can you kind of take us through um, how that's all scheduled and how that's all handled to the point at which we then bring actors onto the set and they go through their motions and and what everybody's doing at that time, and, and your involvement in that entire process. Um, sure. Um, <clears throat> well, uh, a basic typical day on a film set starts, it could start as early as 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning, uh, or as late as 5 or 6 o'clock in the evening. Uh, but in any case, it starts off with what you just said, the, uh, the trucks land, um, which is usually managed by the locations department and the Teamsters um, or transportation, uh, depending on what city you're in. <laughs> um, and also the second assistant director is involved in that as well. Um, they make sure that, you know, things are parked in the right places so that it's not blocking the set, obviously, or they're not in the eye, eye line of where the camera's going to see. Um, and so it's that first hour of the day that's pretty crucial because those key players, the locations manager, the second AD, uh, they are pretty much getting the set ready for the entire crew for the day. Uh, and the people in their department will assist them as well. Um, and then sometime, you know, within that first hour, uh, say call time is at 6 o'clock, at 5 o'clock, those, uh, those two key players will show up around a quarter to 6 that's when myself and the director and the DP uh, will start to arrive on set. Um, and, you know, we'll kind of just do a quick recap of what our work is for the day. Uh, you know, especially if we are going to be in more than one location, uh, we'll kind of go over a little timeline of how long we're going to be at this location, the first location, and come up with a quick 
game plan of uh, how to get out of there um, as quickly as possible. Uh, in that same in that same amount of time, around 15 minutes or so before uh, the call time, six o'clock call time, the actors will start to arrive as well. Now, on most shows, what people tend to do um, on film sets, anyhow, is they'll do a blocking rehearsal. Uh, now, a blocking rehearsal, for those who may not know, a blocking rehearsal is basically when you bring the actors to set and the director will block out the scene, block out their movements. You know, they move from point A to point B. Now, they have to do this, obviously, with the dialogue and the action that's uh, scripted. Uh, so we usually tend to do this for about 15, 20 minutes or so, uh, right at call time. Uh, and this gives the cinematographer, myself, uh, the first AD, um, an opportunity to see the length of the scene, the actual action of the scene, you know, and where everyone's going to move. Then we'll send the actors away to start getting ready. They go through the hair, makeup, wardrobe process. While on set, uh, we start lighting. Uh, that's when the DP starts his work. Uh, that's pretty much when everyone else starts their work, all the departments. You know, the set dressers start to get the set ready based on the blocking rehearsal. Uh, the props department get things ready based on the blocking rehearsal. You know, so all departments start working. Um, and if it's like an exterior set uh, of some sort where we see, you know, uh, a large scope of things, that's where also my department starts to get working as well. We get the extras ready. We'll start placing cars or whatever needs to be in the, the frame, uh, the atmosphere-wise. So it's the, those first uh, couple of hours of the day are very crucial to getting started, um, you know, making sure everyone's on the same page and getting organized. And getting that blocking rehearsal in, you know, first up in the morning is key so that everyone knows exactly what we're doing and how to get started, you know. And usually uh, most ADs, most ADs will try to schedule, like, maybe one of the bigger scenes up first in the day, uh, you know, which kind of sets the tone for the day, um, how much work you have to do, the pace that you have to go, and so forth. Well, that's excellent. Now, there's a beehive of activity going on, and all these departments are, you know, acting almost simultaneously in, in many cases. You know, it's not as though one thing happens and then another thing. I mean, some have to some steps have to be taken before the next step can be taken obviously but but uh, i guess it would be fair to say that that there's a lot of there's this flurry of activity going on all at one time so that that when it comes to be time to be on the set or even when even then i mean you know when when actors are in here and makeup other things are going on i'm 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 setting this up for a question for the newbie filmmaker actually or for the low budget or the micro budget filmmaker who can't afford to have you know, all these different departments and union members and all these different team players working simultaneously. What what advice could you give them in terms of working efficiently? Because a lot of times what I see on low-budget sets is a lot, of, a lot of people are standing around and wasting time when things could be happening, you know, or the actors are on set blocking while, you know, I mean, do you know where I'm going with this question, Chris? Um, I kind of I think I do. Um, basically, that's where your preparation comes into play. You know, every uh, on every show, you know, you need to have a plan in place for what are you doing today. And no one's going to figure out what am I doing today as soon as they arrive to set. You have a call sheet that you're given the night before, and usually it's detailed information. It tells you what the first scene is up, uh, what is the first scene that's up in the day, 
therefore, you know, the all the departments know what their role is in it because it's also itemized uh, as to what is needed for that scene from each department. So while the actors are, you know, even on a smaller budget show, while the actors are getting prepared, um, whether it's a rehearsal or whether it's through the makeup process, other departments can be getting prepared also. You know, there's always something for the props department to be getting ready, always. Set dressers always need more time. I mean, on low-budget movies, anyone can tell you. The one thing that no one ever really has is enough time to do things. So, you know, even on a show where you're, you don't have much money uh, and you're wearing more than one hat, you can always utilize your time. Now, you may not always be able to work on the physical set, um, but you can prepare as much as you can, just offset. And usually you negotiate with the first AD also. You know, I often work with the art department. I, I consider myself to be a friend of the art department, of most art departments, you know, knowing that they constantly need time, and I give them up to the very last moment to constantly get things ready. So, you know, I think you just have to be efficient with your preparation. Um, know what the plan is for the next day, know what we're starting off with, communicate with the AD, try to get a rough idea of their timeline of where they expect to be in the day so that you can tell them or they can let you know when certain things need to be ready. You know, so that's uh, that's how you can be efficient. Excellent, excellent. Uh, because I, I think, you know, there's – and a couple of rules, you know, in terms of being efficient is, is the other rule is, I think, uh, always shoot as much as you can. I mean, in other words, too much time sitting around doing nothing gets nothing. But if you can spend that time shooting wisely, then uh, then you're then you're ahead of the game. Would that be true for you? Well, I mean, if you're talking in terms of, yeah, rolling the camera, always. You know, that's what you're, that's the whole purpose that we're all there for. Let's get the camera rolling, you know. I want to shoot as much as possible on any project that I am on. I rather I rather never cut the camera off. So yeah, use your time wisely. Shoot as much as possible. You know the minor things if they're not that important. You know you might have to bypass them. And I think I might have discussed that a little bit before. Um, maybe not. Uh, but yeah, you know part of the the AD's responsibility is to tell people when enough is enough. You know, and it's time to get going and have that understanding with the director too. You know. The AD has to be aware of what's important for the scene just as much as the director, you know, in terms of, like, the physical things that you can put your hands on, a costume, a prop, you know, a car or whatever, things that are key to the scene, you know, but if they're not 100% ready, you still may have to go, you know, go with it as it is. So, but, yeah, ever shoot, shoot, shoot. Have you ever encountered a situation... Uh, in which you go, okay, we're, our day is done, we're losing you know, time, the sun is gone, or we're going into you know, overtime, we need to move on, and the director goes, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's an interesting one, because on every movie we lose time because the sun is right. going away. Um, and it's usually not a director who will say yes or no. Believe it or not, that's where a director of photography may come into play, you know, um, because, you know, they're they're the ones with the knowledge of the exposure of the film and, you know, how much is it going to look different or the same, the amount of cutability in the editing room that the director will have. So 
uh, a director does have a part in making that decision, oh, we have to move on. But, yeah, you know, if an AD is doing his job properly, you know, he has already done his timeline, as we discussed before, you, you're going to get into that situation, but you can give the director enough warning, you know. I mean, in the summer months, uh, primarily, what we, we have the longer amount of daylight. So, for instance, say, you know, we're shooting, uh, we have uh, daylight until about 7.30, good daylight, 7.30 in the evening. You know, uh, a good AD is going to give the director uh, at least about a half-hour warning before that time gets there and let them know, listen, you know we're about to start racing in the next 15 minutes. You know, you're going to have to get ready to move on to something else. So, yeah, and if a director decides to say no, I want to continue to work on this. Well, the AD can only support that. That's it. That's what the ADs do. You know, as soon as one decision is made, we have to start thinking in our heads about how to correct the next part of the day or the plan. You know, if you're still on something after the amount of time that you should be there, well, you got to make it up in one way or another. And you got to start thinking about that. You being the AD has to start thinking about how you suggest that or offer that up to the director. Now, we're talking about, you know, movies that, like I said, they're union movies or they're on a schedule or they're in a budget. very different than some of the, you know, guerrilla filmmakers who, who take years to make their movie and shoot on, you know, a weekend here and a weekend there and things like that. But but I, I think that the practices that that you must have, you know, the good practices that you must have on a, uh, a union shoot can be applied to the guerrilla filmmaker to make their films uh, work even when they're not, you know, on as tight a schedule, you know, as as a union should be. I mean, you know, they're not spending the money and they're not spending the hours or the time. So uh, I, I like this because it gives it gives all of us an idea of you know you know what responsibilities not only do you have but what you have to you know prepare for, what you have to uh, improvise or revise as the day goes along, in order to as we say get done on time and under budget or even before you know the deadline. So uh, um, we were, I kind of sidetracked you, but it, but I, I think it's all very good. We were we were at that point where they were shooting, and and the last time we talked, they were, uh, you know, we had a we had a block, a rehearsal, and the and the actors had been called to the set. So let's let's continue from there. Let's go through the day, the kind of the kind of things that happen to to our um, to our endpoint, you know, to 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 the wrap of the day. Okay. Um, well, <clears throat> let's see. Once uh, after we've done the blocking rehearsal and everyone's done their preparation uh, to get ready for the first setup of the day, which usually you give about an hour, almost an hour and a half sometimes to get ready for the very first setup of the day. Uh, because if you're playing things smart, you're actually getting ready for not just the first setup, but maybe the second, third, and the fourth also. Um, then you call the actors to set. You do another rehearsal in front of the camera to practice the move because before what we had was a blocking rehearsal, so the camera wasn't set up. We put marks and stuff down. So now you call the actors to set. They're ready hair makeup-wise. Uh, everything on set is ready. If you're shooting outdoors, all the background actors are indoors. The background actors and everything is in place. The atmosphere is set. Um, so now you're going to do um, a rehearsal for camera. All right, and sometimes you might spend a little bit more time than you want to. You know, I tend to try to spend maybe 15 minutes doing a rehearsal for camera, uh, 
and also it's an opportunity for the director to give his creative notes mm-hmm. to the actors as well. Um, and once we do that rehearsal for camera, you make sure that all departments are actually ready. Uh, the camera department, if the first AC has all the marks that he needs uh, to keep everything in focus, uh, making sure that the DP is done tweaking and touching things, uh, which most DPs tend to keep touching, keep touching until you call action, unfortunately. Um, and you know, and then the the other departments such as hair, makeup, and wardrobe, they have to get their opportunity, get their last look or touch on an actor just before we roll the camera also. So after that 15 minutes or so of a camera rehearsal, then it's time to shoot. Then it's time to get the ball rolling. Um, and you try not to waste any time once you're in that phase. Uh, so, yeah, you go on and you shoot um, the first setup of the day and then, you know, so on and so on, uh, the second, third, and fourth. And uh, you progress through the day that way. And I, and I want to take you back just a little bit. When you said originally, just moments ago, you said, you know, sometimes you have your first setup, but you need to be prepared for your second, third, and fourth setup. Can you clarify that for the listener? Yeah. You know, um, in most most scenes, when you guys watch movies, uh, when folks watch movies, or you see that when you're in a scene, you have more than one shot. So each shot is a different setup, per se. Uh, you have your master angle, which is usually your widest shot for the entire scene. Now, for some scenes, based on what, what the content of it is, it could be a quick shot, you know, just a wide, wide shot to establish it, or it could be a little tighter, um, not so wide, wide, not so super wide, uh, where you can actually see all of the actors' faces very clearly. Their whole bodies fill the screen. Um, and you have to run it as a master a few times. Well, then you got to go in for coverage of the scene. And that could mean that you're looking in three or four different angles. Well, obviously, the one angle that is not ready is the angle from where the camera is sitting. Uh, that's probably where the lights are coming in from. Uh, and then you also have what we call the video village, which is where the director and the script supervisor and our producing team and the majority of the crew, they're all watching, they're all monitors, watching the entire scene take place. So basically you have a 270-degree area of your set that hopefully you're pretty much ready for that. That's being ready for setups two, three, and four um, so that you can go in and jump into the coverage pretty quickly. Well, if you do a complete 180, that's when you're going to spend a little bit more time. Um, and what you, what most ADs will tend to do is they'll converse with the uh, cinematographer. They'll converse with the production designer and find out how far can we get in being ready for the 180-degree turnaround. You know, because usually if you do a full 180 turnaround, you got to prepare for at least a good, based on whether you're inside or outside, a good 30 to 45 minutes just to turn around and set up for that. So all these things factor into your day, you know, uh, lighting setups, wardrobe changes, and turnarounds. All of that stuff factor into your day, and you got to time it out. You have a 12-hour shooting day, but out of 12 hours, you're probably really shooting for nine hours in the day, you know, or actually really rolling the camera for less than that. You know, when I say shooting, I mean, you know, getting to do a camera rehearsal uh, and then continue to shoot. But, yeah, you're not shooting for a full 12 hours on any given day. Do you have a a personal rule of thumb as to when you do the turnaround in this particular arena that we're talking about?
talking about? You got two, three, and four setups, and you save the turnaround for last. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, you if you're if you're smart about how you're scheduling things, uh, you try to shoot your biggest scene in the day if possible uh, up first, and then when you need to turn around, even on that bigger scene, you know, usually the turnaround is the last part of what you have to do. So you'll try and schedule it for the majority of the setups that are in that 270 degree range to do those first. You know, that's where the uh, communicating very well with an AD and a cinematographer comes into play and the production designer. You know, knowing how much of the set you want to see to start off the day so that you can knock off a bigger chunk of the scene, you know, uh without having to make it extremely labor intensive every time you want to move the camera. So you you shoot your, your coverage, your two shots and your singles from the same near angle or same position or within that two hundred and seventy degrees where you don't have a you know, where where you don't have to make much adjustments to lights or, or camera or anything like that. Correct. Yep. And then and then at the end you move it around, swing it around hundred and eighty to pick up the close ups or two shots of the people that were not included at that point. Absolutely, the full-on reverse angle. And sometimes it might be a reverse master angle. You might want to shoot it from the other side, you know. So that's a wide shot. That's a lot of stuff that has to be set up, you know, from the other side. So, yeah, you try to save it for last uh, because it's, you know, it's a bigger setup. Awesome, awesome. And, uh, and, and, that, in, and that includes, obviously, you know, when the actors are, on the set and when they're released and when they come back and, and all the, the finals that they get into for each of the different parts of shooting. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Okay. Excellent. Well, this is, this is, this is awesome. I, I really appreciate this. So moving on now, now assume that, that you have done that and that's taken a good part of however much time uh, and you move on. What, what then? I mean, you could be, obviously you could be changing a location or, or hopefully you're not, but you're, Moving somewhere else in the set, or doing something, or no, you um, well, after you made the turnaround uh, and you complete that scene, well, you go on right to the next scene. You know, right. uh, the way that I like to work is whether the next scene is you know right there where we're already shooting, or if it's just in the next room or inside of a close enough building. Um, I like to go immediately into another blocking rehearsal, just like we started today. You know, let's go right into the to the next set, onto the next set, and let's do a block rehearsal. And it's up for the AD to like, you know, give um, his crew advance warnings as to what's going on. You know, as an AD, the whole responsibility of uh, getting through the day is about communicating and communicating properly. So what I tend to do, the way that I work, is I like to give advance warnings over the, the air, the air being the walkie-talkie. Um, and obviously out in public to the rest of the crew who's not wearing a walkie. But I like to let people know, you know, when we're on the last shot or the second to last shot of a scene and that the very next scene that's coming up is, you know, whatever it is, and to make sure that the actors who are needed for that are standing by and ready uh, for a blocking rehearsal. And as soon as we get the last shot uh, completed in, you know, scene number one, you know, let's go do a blocking rehearsal for scene number two immediately. Or if it's time to make a company move, you're giving those same warnings. You're letting the second AD, the locations manager, the Teamsters 
No, okay, we're on the last shot or second to last shot in scene one. Um, when I when you guys hear me say that we're on the next the last shot, then that means we should be prepared to start loading everyone up into the trucks so that we can make a company move. You know, so I mean, all of this is part of like planning out um, each specific day. If you know you got more than one location to be in, you know, I usually converse with the second AD and we come up with a plan you know, on how to divide not only our team if necessary, but how to, to how to divide the crew. Some locations require that you send part of your crew in advance to start getting things rolling. See, the thing is this with the company move day, you can't always start fresh like you did that first hour in the morning. Like I said, those first one or two hours for every day is crucial. That first hour, you got your two key players who are showing up to get everything into place, the locations manager and the second AD, or three players and the, the transportation captain. But when you have a company move, well, it needs to be a little bit different, you know, because the full company at that first location is working with the majority of the gear, the majority of the trucks, the actors' trailers, the majority of the crew. Well, when you know that you got location number two coming up, well, you don't get that first hour entirely like you did in the morning to get things set up. So what you do is how you try to get it is you advance some of your trucks, whatever trucks you can advance. And that, all again, depends on the first AD, how much of a warning is the first AD giving. So if I get, give these guys an advance warning and say, okay, i got two more shots left in this scene, whatever's not being used for this shot or for this setup can start getting packed up into the trucks so that those trucks will be more ready to move more quickly or whatever trucks are already packed up and it can already start to move you know uh, or maybe it's a bigger lighting setup over at location number two so maybe we can start to advance a portion of our grip and electric team uh, maybe two players from each team or department and we keep a couple right there while we complete shooting that scene so it's all it's it's very strategic how you have to plan out every single day. That's where your preparation comes in. Again, you know, being very much aware of the amount of work that you have for the day, having some form of a timeline as to how you'd like where would you like to be in the day, and then having a plan, an actual plan in place. If it's a location that requires that you advance some of your crew, then you should actually be working towards advancing some of your crew. If it's a location, sometimes on the exterior locations you can make a company move, and there's no lighting required, there's no huge setup, you just need to move the company. And sometimes what some, on some projects, if I can just take just the camera and the actors to the next location, I can at least get a rehearsal started while the rest of the company is moving. You know, but all of these things have to be already thought out. It's not things that just happen at the spur of the moment. These are things that are already part of the plan. That is awesome. I mean, it really is. It's, it's great to listen to you describe what needs to take place for, you know, each of these uh, elements we're discussing. Um, I need to take a short break here, Curtis, and then we'll come right back. We are at that halfway point, and you're listening to Rex Ike's Movie Beat. The official web address is rexsikes.com. I'm going to tell you some of my upcoming guests 
will be Michael Sontag, casting director. Sam Witwer will be returning to the show. He worked with Curtis on, on No God, No Master. Kristen Shaw is a audition coach. She will be coming back. Jason Brubaker is a producer, and we're going to be talking about uh, distributing uh, movies in a variety of ways. Sherry Candler's marketing and PR uh, and a notable inside the film community. Peter Broderick is the distribution guru. He coined the phrase hybrid methods of distribution. He will be joining us. Michael Kaplan is a producer. John Rice will be coming back. Uh, he's the author of um, Think Outside the Box Office. Julie Richardson, uh, producer of Collateral and The Collector, will be coming back. Uh, Paul Provenza will be joining us. And many, many more. Brad Hatfield, the Emmy uh, award-winning uh, producer, has been called away by the Boston Pops to... Uh, to uh, work with them this week, so uh, we have postponed and rescheduling his uh, appearance on Rex Sykes Movie Beat. But please, uh, feel free to go ahead and share uh, these interviews and this website and the podcast from iTunes with all of your friends, your industry connections. Uh, spread it far and wide. Please do retweet it. Please do post it on your Facebook wall, your MySpace page, and things like that. Because when you do, it helps my guest uh, and myself reach more people, and we sure appreciate your support uh, and uh, and all the things that you do for Rex Likes Movie Beat um, socially and the web and for listening and for reading and for being a part of us. We thank you so much. Uh, back to Curtis. Curtis. Yes, I'm here. You know, you have to know so many different things, and uh, we talked about that in the first discussion with you, you know, in, in your coming on up and working your way through the industry and, and knowing the different departments and their responsibilities and being so that you can be you know, scheduling, uh, you know, the film shoot, you know, and setting up meetings with the different departments and with the director. And, um, let's backstep again and just, uh, again, for the newer filmmaker, and by that I mean the person could be 80 years old making their first movie or they could be 10, but uh, but for, the, for people making movies uh, or TV pilots or projects, when it comes to scheduling, can you... Can you take us through what's important? What are what are the critical thoughts and notions, the ideas that that you bring to the table when you're going to schedule a shoot? And I know everything is different, and I know it, it changes, but but there there are some principles, or some approaches, or some methods that you have, you know, that I'm sure you apply basically every time. Um, sure. Um, well, let's see. Certain things that you have to keep in mind, obviously, is, you know, I mean, what dictates your schedule most of the time is if you have a lot of night, if you have a lot of day, um, if you're shooting inside or outside. I mean, various various things um, go into the management of a schedule. Uh, nowadays, uh, whether you're making your first movie or making your 100th movie, um, you still have to contend with Actors are usually working on more than one project at a time. Even sometimes your lead, your leading actor, may actually have other commitments for another show that he's done. It may not be acting in it, but it could be promotions because that movie is about to come out. Um, and this is something that I encounter quite often. And so you just have to be conscious of how much they play, uh, meaning how many days in your shoot do they play, and how much time can you give to these other commitments that they have. Normally they'll tell you when these uh, dates are scheduled and so you can try to work them into your schedule or sometimes they just may ask you for a chunk of time. Can you find three days within the schedule that we can release so-and-so? 
Uh, and, you know, it's up to you as the first AD to try and come up with that kind of a plan or, or idea to offer up. But, uh, I mean, some general general rules, I guess, of, of scheduling, you know, try to schedule your exterior scenes up in the beginning of a week uh, because if you have weather issues and you need to change your plan, at least you have interiors at the end of the week that you can bring up forward and move the uh, exteriors down to the backside. Um, a couple of more general rules of thumb that I have is whenever you have a bar or restaurant scenes, no matter what city you live in, schedule those at the beginning of the week also. Bars and restaurants are easier to get into on a Monday or Tuesday, maybe even on a Wednesday, uh, Thursday, Friday, and the rest of the weekend is when they make their money. Um, I highly recommend that if you ever need to shoot inside of a school, if you have school scenes, um, shoot shoot that movie in the summertime. <laughs> um, you know, it's easier to get access to a school uh, of a director's liking. Usually, um, I remember I did one show. Uh, <laughs> I did this one film, and it was um, all high school girls basketball. Um, and the show had actually just gotten green the green light right at the end of summer. Um, and there were about 12 high school gyms that we had to shoot in. Uh, and, you know, right at the end of summer is when the pre-production started, and production started right in the fall. It was a very hard shoot to schedule, very, very difficult shoot to schedule because we found all of these schools to the director's liking, but every single last one of them obviously had school in session during the day. So this was a film that we shot mostly at night. We shot this high school girls basketball movie mostly at night, and I'm talking from six, seven o'clock in the evening till six o'clock in the morning. Um, and that's a hard way to make a movie, uh, especially when it's high school girls basketball, where you're looking for your cast to have all of this energy. These girls are running on basketball on the basketball court all you know, for most of the day. Uh, and we had several games that had to be uh, choreographed and produced. People tend to have a little less energy, uh, you know, the longer that the night progresses. So it's so many different, every movie is different, just like you said. There's so many different things you have to think about as you go into it. You know, that was a hard movie to, to schedule because school had just started. So no one wanted us to shoot during the day, obviously. No one wanted to block off their gym for a couple of days of the week while the film crew shoots there. You know, they were welcoming us in there, but we had to shoot. And even shooting on the weekends were difficult because, uh, same thing, it's the beginning of the school year. A lot of weekend extracurricular activities were taking place. So the the movie had to be filmed mostly at night. Awesome. Um, uh, we've got someone who wants to know, from the chat room what the name of this movie is. <laughs> the name of this movie is called The Winning Season. Um, it stars Sam Rockwell and Emma Roberts. So, awesome. Yeah, and uh, I did that, I think, uh, almost uh, not quite two years yet. Um, but, yeah, that was it, was it was a hard film to schedule for that reason. Uh, the locations manager and myself, as I said before, you know, I have to work with several departments when coming up with a schedule that works. You know, all the things that that, that film in particular required, you know, it required a lot of extras at time. It required, you know, 
high school age looking girls. Uh, I mean, all of these, it re, you know, it required cheerleaders. It required the ball teams. I mean, it required a lot of elements. So when you when you schedule or plan a movie like that and then it turns into, well, this whole movie has to be shot at night, no one's going to get that from reading a script. So they're going to be excited to be in the movie. But then the next thing is you've got to figure out, well, how am I going to get 500 people to come and show up and stay here all night and look like they're energetic? You know, a lot of times your extras that you cast in your movie you know, they're coming from another gig the, the day before, or they have another one to go to the next day. You know, when you're shooting all night, you, you kind of can't go to work the next day because <laughs> you want to sleep in the morning. You know, so, again, that was a very difficult sh- uh, show to schedule. Um, and, you know, again, there's a lot of variables that you have to consider whenever you, you read a script and you take on a project. You know, um, and I think I kind of realized that when I first read that script, uh, I was excited to do it. It was a director that I had worked with before, and, you know, I was excited to work with him again. But what I was realizing is that, wow, we're we're not going to shoot this movie during the daytime when people needed to have, when they have more energy or better energy. So so it's just a lot of things you have to keep in mind, where you want to shoot, what you want to shoot, how you want to shoot it you know, the locations that are chosen. The same thing happens for, you know, an interior location. I remember I did this one show a few years ago also, uh, and it was in the summer months, and there actually happened to be um, a lot of nighttime scenes that took place inside of the hero house, the hero house being the main character's house. And he was an architect, and I remember reading the script and saying to myself, okay, so the house that we find for this uh, for this character, I hope that it doesn't have a bunch of windows. Well, the house that was chosen for the, for the uh, the that character actually had a house full of windows, and one of the main rooms that we shot in had a bunch of windows. Well, the unfortunate thing about it again is during the summer, you have short nights, so you barely have eight hours of nights in the heart of the summer. I remember we shot that movie. I think. Uh, maybe starting at the very, very end of June into July, through all, all of July. And so you don't get a full shooting day when you have a lot of nights, or at least you have to, you know, be smart about how you schedule it. Schedule, you know, maybe one small enough scene that can be finished in about three hours to be shot in the daytime, and then enough work that can be shot, uh, you know, in the eight hours of night that you have. So there's a lot of things that an AD has to think about when he reads the he or she reads the script first off and that's how they can even make some of their recommendations and time of year i mean in the winter months you have less daylight you know you lose light fast if you have a lot of exteriors or even if you have interiors with a lot of windows and that may mean you know a cinematographer may have to um cheat with what you see outside the amount of light that you get coming from outside inside so it's a lot of discussions that has to be had whether you're making your first movie or or your 100th movie like i said you know there are some general things that you always want to keep in mind what location am i choosing is this location you know does it work creatively okay well that's great but now can it work on a practical level also for getting this movie made and the time that we have a lot and under the budget that we have for it so yeah, I've encountered several, several 
uh, scenarios, obviously, um, during my time doing this. Well, I, the thing about the position of first AD that I think about is that you're trying to coordinate so many different things. I mean, it's not that other departments don't have coordination issues and, and things that they have to work with, but you're you're coordinating each of the departments as well and the, and the locations and the actors. And, I mean, just day out of day, it's just the idea of trying to schedule, a, uh, say, a cast of 12 who all have different commitments and different schedules and fly them in and base, you know, or, or bring them to the set based on their availability and, and, and the shooting schedule, you know, days and nights and all that, uh, and, and when they're, you know, on hold days and stuff, is, is immense. How do you wrap your brain around this? I mean, you have like some kind of Rubik's Cube method of, of, <laughs> of organizing so that somebody else could go, geez, you know, if, if I'm going to do this, how, how did they start? Where, how, do you, how do you even begin to do something like that? Well, I mean, I think most people start with blackout dates. Um, at least that's how I do it. So I'll speak about me, and I can't speak really about most people. Um, it, it's a, it, it's very much a beautiful mind process, I guess you could say. I am one of those type of people who have to have it all in front of me. So I like to work with, I mean, even the type of writing utensils that I use is, is key to me, you know, in this whole process. I generally print out, you know, uh, a calendar that I can put in front of me on letter-sized paper, and I get a pencil and not a pen, and I write the characters' names down um, Who of the actor. I won't even write the actor's name. I'll write the character's name because now what I'm working with is I'm working with a cast, a character in the story, even though they're, they're the actor is the one who has the, the, uh, the conflict. So what I have to do is I have to write the blackout dates for those particular actors. So, yeah, I have 12 actors in the story, and each one of them have prior commitments on this or that date. They've committed to doing the project as long as they can be released to do this, and some of them may have specific dates. So I have to put that puzzle in front of me. And it's just it's, it's very similar to doing that. You know, a person can have, you know, a 1,000-piece puzzle that they set out the card table, and it may take them three or four weeks to finish putting that puzzle together. You know, they have to look for all the pieces and find out if it fits and keep trying it. You know, it's very much similar. Really, it's it's very much similar for me with that. I have my calendar laid out on my desk in front of me, and then on the wall besides me, I may actually have my my schedule, which has each scene and each strip. You know, it may be 187 strips in the whole process, but I have to keep moving them around like a puzzle until it all actually fits. Now, and that's just looking at the puzzle, you know, to say, okay, well, this fits here, that fits here. You know, we can do this amount of work in a day, and this actor is free or cleared, you know. But then once I make, you know, say I make day one, which is a Monday work, and I've got all the actors, you know, conflicts out of the way, I have to make sure that Tuesday, day two works also, and that if Monday, day one has exteriors on it and the possibility of rain is there, i got to be able to move it and put something in place that will work and still not have any conflicts with the actors. So, again, that's why, for me, my process is to lay it out in front of me like, like a puzzle, you know, and just keep working on it until everything seems to be settled. And it is. It's one of those situations or one of those things where, 
the producers will constantly come to me as the AD as they're trying to finalize or settle the the uh, the deals with the uh, the actor to play that character. You know, will this work? Can this work? And I have to tell them, I have a plan. I have a plan in place. I have two plans. I have three that will work. So if you want to cast this actor, then go right ahead. You know, and sometimes you have to give that disappointing news also. This isn't usually the case with obviously like the lead of the movie. The lead, the lead, the first or second characters, you always have to figure out a way to make theirs work. But for some of the other supporting roles, which are sometimes obviously, you know, very recognizable people, uh, people who are very valuable to a show, you still have to play this game or, you know, deal with this puzzle. And it gets tricky, and you may have to give that disappointing news of, I've tried it in every way, and it just won't work. It won't fit. There's no way. Because you get into situations where you may have to tell a director, well, if you write them out of this scene, then you can have them because you won't have to worry about them in that scene. But you can still have them in scenes B, C, and D. You know, but since they can't work any time in this first week, you can't have them. We must shoot this scene in that first week. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky process, but that's how I do it, like a puzzle. And you do it well. <laughs> <laughs> And you do it well. Let me ask you this, because I think this is one area that I see most um, beginning and and less experienced filmmakers uh, have trouble with, and that is um, scheduling a backup for weather. You know, they get in their mind that we're going to shoot this scene, and uh, you know, and the weather changes, and they don't they don't go, okay, we can do our interiors now. They just seem to go, I have to do it this way and um can you can you talk a little bit on the yeah. F, the you know the, of of uh, scheduling locations and and exteriors or absolutely absolutely uh it's so funny because it feels like within the last almost year, maybe two years, I've encountered this situation quite often. Um, one of the first things that you want to start off with is you want to determine what role does the weather play in your film. Meaning, as you're reading the screenplay, if it takes place in the summer, is the sunny days, are the sunny days a big deal in your film? Has the writer or the director who ever written the screenplay, did they make describing a sunny day, the beautiful atmosphere, part of that? If they did, then you know the weight of the importance of it to the story. You know, um, or if it's a wintertime movie, does the winter itself play a main character in the movie? You know, and if so, how do you control it? I did two films, same time of the year, uh, between January and March. Uh, I did one last year, and I did one this year. Uh, the Convincer, which I did this year, I shot in Minnesota. And I did Jacko's Boating, which I did here in New York uh, last year, 2009. Um, both movies, the winter time played, basically it was another character in the movie. Uh, however, what we did to protect ourselves is we hired a special effects team to help coordinate with some of the weather. Now, normally what you would do on a show that's not in the winter months, uh, but in the summer and you wanted to play beautiful and glorious, is like I said before, you schedule those exterior scenes in the beginning of the week so that if you have any weather issues, if you get a forecast for rain, 
you have to talk to the director and say, well, these are the scenes that we're shooting on this day. Is it okay if it rains in this scene? Is it okay if it rains in this scene? If is is it okay if it rains in the next scene? You know, and the director will tell you yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, so that you may have to work with the real elements. A film crew, we wear rain gear, we protect our equipment, we're equipped to work in whatever type of weather. The story, can the story survive with that kind of weather? So it's a conversation first with the director. If the direct, based on the director's answers, he may have chosen two out of six scenes that can be shot that day that can actually live with rain in them. Well, then now what I got to do is I got to go through the rest of the schedule and pick out maybe three more scenes and say, well, can these be shot in the rain? And do they fit on that day at that location where we're going to be? Well, the director may not have chosen three more. Maybe those are the only two. So then now we have to make an executive decision. You have to make the executive decision in a sufficient amount of time. Most shows that I do, we all decide to make the decision to go to what we call the cover set. If it's raining outside and we're supposed to shoot outside, we have to go to a cover set, which means we are covered over our heads. We're going to go interior and shoot in dryness instead. So we try to make that decision the day before. Today we're shooting, okay, well, today is, let's say today is Monday and there's uh, an 80% chance of rain in tomorrow's forecast. We constantly, 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 almost every hour of the day are tracking the weather forecast for tomorrow, seeing is there any change. Has it gone up? Has it gone down? We tend to make a decision. Okay, we have to make a decision as to whether or not to go with the rain tomorrow and take a chance or to go to cover set. Now, the thing about it is everyone has to have enough time to change from tomorrow's plan to a new plan. So we try to make that decision halfway through our day. We start watching the weather for the next day from that first hour when we come in. You know, So we have about six hours, six or seven hours of the day to track the weather and see has the forecast changed. If the forecast hasn't changed and it remains 80% chance of rain, well, sometime around the lunchtime hour of the day, we're going to make the decision, okay, everyone, we're going to our cover set tomorrow, and this is what that cover set is. Now, again, a cover set plan is already made uh, in place in the pre-production phase. As I go through each week of the schedule, I have to sit down with the locations manager and the production designer and discuss, all right, which of our locations are going to be flexible enough to work with us in case it rains? Is it a restaurant? Is it a bar? Unlikely. Is it a location that's uh, someone's house? Hopefully, maybe, they'll be flexible enough to make it, allow us to do that. But why do I have to sit down with the locations manager and the production designer? Well, the production designer still has to do their work. They have to make that set ready for this story. We can't just walk in there. So if I'm choosing here on Monday, if we're deciding on Monday by lunchtime that tomorrow on Tuesday we're going to go to the cover set, well, the art department, production designer, and her or his team has only about six or seven hours to get that set ready for tomorrow. The locations department have to get permits, clearance from the owners, 
put the owners up somewhere. He has to turn over a lot of things in six or seven hours for the next day to get us to shoot there. So all of these things need to be discussed before we ever even start shooting. The final decision, obviously, is made the day of shooting. But in pre-production, we look at each week and say, okay, we got three exteriors planned for week one. All right, what's going to be our cover set if it rains in any one of those days? Well, we choose that cover set location in advance. Sometimes you may have a location that you're going to spend two weeks in in your movie. You might want to schedule that for the end because it's a location that you can give the art department a specific day to have it ready and then say, okay, if it ever rains, we can always go to this location. But the thing about your cover set location also, you got to remember with everything else as part of the puzzle, your cast plays into it. Your extras play into it. All of the elements. Everything needs to be available and flexible for you to go to that cover set. So choosing the cover set location during pre-production is very key. And trust me, everyone always wants to know what is the cover set plan. It's a question that every producer asks. It's a question that every production designer asks. And they want to know way before the camera comes up on day one. That is awesome. That is awesome. You know, Curtis, we're actually out of time. I didn't even give you a, a chance to have a countdown. But I would like to have you back for at least one more hour, if not many more. But if, if we can arrange that with your schedule, if that's possible, I'd love to have you back. Sure. And, uh, and what, what I'd like to do is invite the listeners and the readers and the future listeners, the people who are listening to this as archived or as podcast, to, to submit questions based on what they've heard or what they've always wanted to know. And they can email them to me through the website, rexsykes.com. And then we will take those questions on the air the next time that we're together, and then we'll announce when that's going to be. And if they send them in in advance, I can forward them to you. If not, we'll just ask them live on the air. How does that sound? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> well, all right. Uh, you have been fabulous. Again, a wealth of information. I sure appreciate it. I know that our, our listeners have as well. Uh, I want to thank you for being here today. And best wishes uh, with uh, all of are you. Uh, we, we've got about a minute and a half left, but uh, are you uh, going to be in town and around for a while, or are you going off on something else soon? Or? I'm always all over the place. Um, I think I'm going to be around New York, though, for a while. I'm trying to uh, settle on what I'm going to do next. So hopefully it will be in New York. All right. Well, that's very cool. And, uh, again, I appreciate it. If we can, maybe we could schedule something for you know later in June or uh, early in July, and, uh, and uh, Curtis, uh, again, thank you so much. Uh, and if you, see, if you see Eduardo on the streets out there, say hi. Uh, <laughs> I will. We got together when, when I was out there with my family, and I, I, I enjoy him so much. So uh, all the best to you, and thank you so again. All right, Rex. And there you have it. My fascinating guest today was Mr. Curtis Smith, and uh, and uh, we'll have him back just, and we'll let you know just as soon as we possibly can when uh, that will be. Again, keep in mind that I got a lot of other great guests coming up soon. Michael Sontag, casting director, will be returning. He's done a couple episodes with me uh, previously, and we're going to have him back in the very next episode, uh, for the very next show. And, and that's where I believe is is up right after him. He's the actor from Battlestar Galactica. Uh, from uh, Smallville and from No God, No Master, which both uh, Curtis and Eduardo uh, Ballerini had worked on as well, and Terry Green. So um, 
I want to thank you for listening today, for reading, for supporting us. Um, keep in mind that you can become a member of Rex X Movie Beat uh, Friends page on Facebook by clicking on the link there, I believe, on my profile. You can also join Keep Wisconsin Film Friendly or Wisconsin Film Jobs Keep Wisconsin Film Friendly. If you're a Wisconsin resident, that would go a long way to uh, supporting filmmaking in the state of Wisconsin. Everybody have a fabulous day. Make your movies. Complete your projects. And until we meet the next time, that's a wrap.